Hello, hello. Welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast, part of Feisty Media. I am Molly Herford, and thank you so much for joining us. So this week's guest is Live Cycling's Jen Audia. She is the Senior Global Product Marketing Specialist at Live, and oh my gosh, this episode goes everywhere. Uh, We talk all things marketing, which I think is super helpful, whether you are a one-woman show or you are working in marketing at a larger company, just so much food for thought, thinking about, you know, how to market product and, you know, how to work with different people and how all of the teams and stuff coordinate, I thought was just fascinating, even though I obviously do not own a multi, you know, national corporation or anything like that. Uh, But I think, you know, thinking about how all of this stuff works in conjunction with each other, how the live race team is going to influence marketing strategy and how marketing strategy is going to influence the race team. I think all of that was just so fascinating, so interesting. But Also, if you are thinking about going less on the entrepreneur journey and more thinking about working within the fitness industry at an already established brand, we talk about how to get Jen's job or how Jen got her job. And honestly, I loved that it was this more roundabout way. Uh, We often think about, especially the more kind of corporate positions like marketing, uh, we always think, oh, you you have to have an MBA, you have to go to school for this, this, and this. But Jen's journey was far from straightforward, and I think that's just really fascinating. And I think it shows in the fitness industry, really, your passion for the sport, your passion for the thing is as important, if not more important, than having the exact skill in the job. You can learn a lot of stuff with marketing, but if you don't have that love of the bike, if you don't have that passion for cycling, you're probably not going to be a great marketing person in cycling. Same applies to whether it's running or Pilates or yoga or whatever we're talking about. Uh, I think leading with that passion is just super interesting. So hopefully you find this episode as enlightening as I did. And without further ado, I'm going to get into this episode with Jen Audia. All right, Jen, welcome to the Business of Fitness podcast. I am so excited to have you. I had one of your compatriots. We had Liz Walker. It's always really hard to say Liz Walker and not call her Liv Walker, by the way. <laughs> yes. <laughs> on the podcast before. And that was one of like my favorite episodes. And I'm so, so excited to have you on. So welcome to the show. Thanks, Molly. It's good to be here. Yeah. So okay, I, I know your your title at Live is senior global product marketing specialist, but break that down. What does that actually mean that you do? Yeah, thanks. Um, so essentially, I'm the one in the room that mostly wears the product hat. So any conversation that we have as a collective team, I'm thinking about how does the bike show up? Um, you know, and also in terms of like kind of the nuts and bolts, I'm helping to set strategy for new product launches. So as a global organization, um, you know, I have that uh, benefit of working with many people across the world to determine how do we best launch a bike into the market. And so that's material development, working on video projects, photo assets, press releases, getting the chance to work with global media, um, and really taking an opportunity to promote what makes live and live bikes the best. Oh my gosh, that's a lot of things. And I think, you know, even as, as someone's listening to it, it, it might sound kind of soft, but like, because it's, it's kind of the behind the scenes stuff. But to me, like, this is what makes or breaks 
a, a company and, and a bike, right? Like you can have the world's greatest bike, but if it's not launched, if it's not talked about properly, like that's, that's like the future of that bike. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, thankfully it's a super fun product, right? Like we're, we're talking about bikes and not, you know, dental equipment (laughs) and it's, you know, oftentimes that, um, you know, we're, you know, our product teams have really set, set it up for success. So, you know, the, the market's expecting it, they're demanding it. And for us to be able to tell that story about, you know, what's gone into developing this product and also where, you know, where to experience this, how to have fun on it, um, is, is, really all around awesome stuff. So, um, and then aside from that, you know, like the market research stuff behind the scenes, you know, what we're looking at, what are the trends, you know, what are consumers looking for in a new gravel bike, in a new road bike, you know? Um, so I get to be a part of that process as well, which, you know, makes it a total full circle experience. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now I have to ask what are consumers looking for in a new gravel bike these days? <laughs> oh, geez. Well, you know, I mean, I think, um, with the way that gravels, especially growing in the North American market and even in Europe, it's actually getting quite a bit of traction. I think we're really seeing um, a lot of interest around, you know, lightweight you know, typical things in terms of gravel racing, right? Lightweight bikes um, that are capable of taking on longer distance races. Um, but then also there's that versatility side of gravel bikes, you know, um, in terms of people using it for bike packing or adventuring. So it really has a dual nature. So when you're thinking about the product, you're really having to consider two really distinctive um, personality traits, let's call it, and finding out, um, you know, whether it's specification, how you're really dialing in uh, a bike that meets that that consumer, those unique consumers. Yeah. And from the marketing side of things, I imagine that's got to be a pretty interesting uh, thing to kind of balance the the many ways that you can be marketing any one of these bikes, right? Like if it is sort of appealing to all of these different audiences, if you do have like a Swiss army knife of bikes, which I consider gravel bikes to be, that's actually a huge marketing challenge. Cause like, it's easy to market one. That's like, this is the lightest bike. This is the you know most aerodynamic bike that is for this very specific thing, but it's a huge challenge to, to market, especially as like, as people want to do more on one type of bike, that's actually a huge challenge for you. Yeah. I mean, you know, the great thing is, is that I think, as you've already said, they're Swiss army knives. So I think to some extent people anticipate that and, you know, we can show the bike in different ways through um, different experiences, whether it's, you know, showing the race side through our athletes or, you know, um, women that are part of our community or people who are buying the bike that are out there doing bike packing adventures, you know, it gives us a chance to show that versatility just in and of itself, by the way, the consumer's using it, by the way, our community's using it. So it, it actually works quite well. And, and it goes to show that like, you know, one bike doesn't have to be just this one thing for everyone. It could be, you know, whatever you want it to be in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Love it. Now live is obviously, you know, women-focused company. We're building bikes for women. It's the quote-unquote sister company of Giant. So this is a company that's really focusing on women. How how are you thinking about marketing when you are thinking about women? Are you just thinking about, okay, we have these women's bikes, so let's market them. Or are you thinking like, what do women want in bikes? I realize that's kind of an odd question, but hopefully you kind of get where I'm going, like where women come in the marketing equation. Yeah. I mean, women are our first thought 
in every part of Liv's process, whether that's product development or marketing. It gives us a chance to think of, you know, the start to finish um, in terms of, you know, where this product um, or how this product is being developed and then where, you know, and how women are going to be using it. So, um, you know, when we do the development part of the process, we're looking at using, you know, information that allows us to kind of hone in on, you know, what is the geometry for each frame size. And then from there, you know, we are gathering um, insights and perspectives from women in the market. So whether it's, you know, uh, particular trends or direct feedback from ambassadors or direct feedback that we're hearing from people who are using these bikes, that goes into the process. So what is our target? You know, what are we looking to achieve with this, you know, improved version of X, Y, and Z, you know? Um, and then from there, we are working a lot of times with our global athletes who are prototype testing, you know, versions of these bikes ahead of them, you know, becoming the final product um, and then kind of putting them through the paces on the race course, if that's, you know, the part of the product experience. Experience. And then when it comes to marketing, you know, it's really helping to tell the stories of women in our community. You know, we're showing a version of women's lived experience on a bike, you know, and so we don't have to decide on kind of, you know, who is represented, like women, women are represented in, you know, the experience um, on the bike and, you know, through all of our marketing materials. And then from there, it's, you know, even thinking about how can we use this bike to improve communities or grow women's cycling in a way, you know, whether it's, the world tour teams or, you know, um, e-bikes or, you know, whatever we're thinking about, how is this also becoming a tool for progression or change and what programming may we want to invest in like ladies all ride, you know, mountain bike skills camps that are helping more women to get involved in the sport and hopefully it being a more long lasting life-changing experience as well. I love it. I love it. And I mean, I have to say from the the product side of Liv, I remember, you know, when, when Liv first entered the cyclocross market, I believe it was 13 years ago, maybe 14 years ago now. I remember getting the first bike and being a little bit not super stoked on it compared to I got uh, the 2021 bike, I think that I was trying out a couple of years ago. And I was like, this is the best cross bike I have ever gotten on. So the product development and care that has gone into these bikes has just been amazing. And also side note, I love, I love, love that every live bike I've gotten at this point has been black. I'm so happy, (laughs) so happy that like the bikes are not all still in that, like, you know, baby blue or like light purple that every women's bike ever was like 10 to 15 years ago. Uh, Cause I think there is still a little bit of misconception around women's cycling brands that's kind of rooted in this like 20 years ago marketing where everything was like pink and light purple and pastel and very much this like beginner woman was like the the target and we just kind of ignored the fact that other women would be on bikes and like really fast women wanted bikes that were still designed for them and I think Liv has done a fantastic job having every uh like from, from like first ride to world champion level, like all there's a bike for them. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah. I, you know, it is something that we, we face, um, as a brand still, you know, even questions around, you know, what is women specific? Is it necessary? You know, and to me, that's part of the problem is that we're even questioning the existence of it. 
like, why do we even need to question if women deserve a product that's uniquely developed for them or with them being informed? And then a brand that's committed to, you know, marketing and programming that's supporting women. Like, you know, and that's the challenge is that we've kind of come out of a culture that traditionally that was um, dramatically impacted by, yeah, this perception of, you know, a lesser than product, you know, it was kind of originally founded in that. And we've, you know, really been working towards changing that conversation and even, you know, refraining from saying we're women specific. It's like, we're a bike brand for women, you know, um, because nowadays, what does women specific mean? It can mean many things to different people and some brands out there that are, you know, creating unique products for women or, or just have a unique branding image for women. And we're all kind of doing it differently, but the hope is that ultimately we're creating more options for women. Like it's totally the, you have to see it to be it mentality, because, you know, if we've, only ever done things one way and we consistently do it that way, then I think we're really missing the opportunity to evolve as an industry and really begin to see the opportunity to welcome new people in. And it's just like any other industry out there, right? Like the car industry, like how many SUVs are there? But we all seem to kind of gravitate towards one particular car brand for whatever reason, or even phones, like they essentially do the same thing, but there's maybe features or attributes that, you know, draw in a different type of consumer. So for us, we, you know, we are taking a unique approach and we are, you know, as we say, like committed to, to that fully because we see there is a need and we're not going to like the need is still there and will always be there, I think. Uh So um, for us, we really do hope that the consumer, you know, who's, is out there looking for a bike discovers live in a way that recognizes like when you, you know, buy a live bike, like you're essentially investing in women because all of our resources go into that. And, um, you know, it allows us to sponsor world tour teams or invest in, you know, events like the Tour de France Femmes and, you know, see women out there pursuing things that are really meaningful to them. Um, And yeah, at the end of the day, like if everybody in the industry kind of has that mindfulness, I think we're going to just see more people get involved in the sport and keep, keep it going, keep it growing. Oh, what a great, great point there. I love that. Um, yeah, that I'm like, that's the quote. That's the, that's the little, <laughs> that's the pull quote for the show right there. Um, so good. It also reminds me of, uh, my, my biggest pet peeve is any company that's like, oh, we don't make bikes for women. We don't make bikes for men. We make bikes for everyone. And I'm like, cool. Like what size do you start at? And they're like, oh, like 56 is our small. And I'm just like, yeah, okay. Close. So 90% of women can't ride your bikes is what you're, what you're saying to me here. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, what's good too, is that like all of us finding our unique place as brands, figuring out what we do best and, and how we serve different parts of the market, you know, like not everyone's going to gravitate towards the one brand in the industry. Like we're all vying for attention, but at the same time, like it's, it's up to us as collective brands to work together to, you know, really represent different people and, and, um, hopefully, yeah, just keep the sport growing because ultimately that, I think that is the mission, right. Get more people cycling, you know, have this become a part of people's lifestyle and, you know, it's really can be a transformative thing and utilitarian thing. So, um, it's a win-win all around. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Love it. 
And the the other thing I wanted to talk about before I get into like how you ended up in this role, because I do want to talk about that, yeah. uh, is is Liv's Instagram approach. I keep coming back to is just fascinating to me for a brand because it is one of the most welcoming and authentic like bike brand Instagrams out there right now. And I just love it. So talk to me a little bit about you know, just how, how that kind of evolved, how that's evolved, because I know it's, it's obviously an ever evolving thing. That's yeah. a lot of work behind the scenes. Yeah. We have an incredible, um, team that's really focused on that. And it's honestly been a part of our DNA. Like when, when the brand started, it was very much about like education and, you know, how, if you're getting into the sport, like, what are the barriers? Like, what are the questions? Like, how about we start there in terms of providing content that really not only shows how much fun cycling is, but if you, if you're wondering how to get into it or how to shift or how to progress your mountain bike skills, like how can we help provide that, like be that go-to resource for women in cycling? Um, because, you know, I think we've all been there right before, like, uh, do you wear underwear under a chamois? Like, do I have to feel pain on a bike, like on a saddle? Like, you know, there's all these questions that we want to kind of help address in a way that women feel like they can relate or, you know, have a place to go to discover more and, and, you know, whether they are starting out or progressing, you know, there's that, that information there, that community there that can, you know, be there for them in that journey. And so, you know, that is, you know, really been a through line for, you know, our communication externally and naturally with social media, it's been an awesome place to do it, right? Like the way Instagram and Facebook and even Twitter have evolved, they've really become these places where people can go and discover more about, you know, a particular thing. So for us, it's really like, you know, focusing on that content approach, but also, you know, showing examples of real women, you know, whether it's, you know, different types of women on riding bikes or different experiences of bikes, you know, because we do cater to everything from the roadside to the gravel side, to the mountain bike side, um, and then featuring our athletes and ambassadors, you know, having their voices play a really important part in our communication because, they're, they're oftentimes maybe an expert or, you know, they've had those experiences like with training hurdles or, you know, those moments that are super real to, uh, you know, to a lot of our community. So how do we really make that authentic experience online, even though we, we are this big brand, like how do we also feel like your best friend and your confidant, the person to go to, if you, you know, if you got a question. I love it. And I think you do an excellent job with that. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's it's just so good. Every time I look at it, it it takes a second for me, honestly, to even tell that it is like necessarily a you know bike brand post a lot of the time because I'm like, oh, this is like one of my friends, and then I'm like, oh, oh, this is actually Liv. I mean, I guess it's one of my friends, but like, cool. Yeah. Granted, I also am lucky enough that I know a lot of the people who are riding. Oh, yeah. the Liv I'm like, oh yeah, that actually is my friend. Um, or you know, in, in the occasional case, I'm like, oh, that's me. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, here's the deal. You want to take control of your health, of your life, but honestly, who has the time to go into the doctor, get the requisition for all the blood work, and then go to the lab and actually have that blood drawn, then wait weeks for the doctor to get back to you with the results? No, absolutely not. Inside Tracker is the way to go. And bonus, you can do it from the comfort of your own home with their mobile blood draw. It is so easy. 
Oh my gosh, so convenient, so safe, so reliable. All you have to do is when you order your Inside Tracker panel, you actually just add the mobile blood draw option and then boom, suddenly you have a lab tech at your house at a time that works for you to take your blood. We did this last month and honestly, it was the easiest experience I have ever had with blood draws in my life. So convenient and then the turnaround on the results is so quick and instantly you get this whole view of what is going on inside you with all of the important biomarkers that you need as an athlete, as an entrepreneur, as a go-getter. So definitely, definitely check them out. Save time in your day, add time to your life with Inside Tracker's mobile blood draw. And if you visit insidetracker.com backslash feisty, you get 20% off today. That's insidetracker.com backslash feisty to get 20% off today. Uh, getting into to you, um, you went to school for elementary education. So this is, you and I have this in common, um, except uh, I didn't get through the education program. I had already gotten my bachelor's and then I was in school for uh, education and student taught seventh graders for a week and then dropped out of the program. Okay. You're, <laughs> you're like, that was enough. Yeah. I knew myself. I knew yeah. myself well enough to be like, this is not a life path that I would like to pursue anymore. Uh, seventh grade is a challenging time for adolescents, as it turns out. Uh, every time I say that to a teacher, they're like, oh, yeah, you literally had the worst grade to be teaching. Um <laughs> but I want to hear how you ended up in a bike shop after going for elementary education yeah so I mean like ever since I was a kid I loved teaching like I would actually in fourth grade take home extra worksheets and like play school you know have the whole setup so it was honestly something that like I always wanted to do even in high school I went through this like program that they offered where I could go, you know, my senior year, um, like the second semester and go to my local elementary school and work with the first grade class. And so, you know, I was really immediately on this track, like all through my, you know, um, adolescence and then moving into college, it was just such a natural progression. Like I went into college knowing I'm going for elementary education. And so finished that program. And then I kind of delayed things and went and worked at Glacier National Park for the summer right after school, knowing I wouldn't necessarily be, you know, starting the school year as a teacher and, you know, kind of focused on the adventure element. And so when I returned, I substitute taught um, at my local school and, you know, it came natural to me. Like, I really love the creative process. I love working with young kids. But then it's kind of like in my early 20s, there was just this transitional period where I was starting to learn more about kind of really what I wanted and, and also what I didn't want. And I was also seeing kind of this side of education that was maybe a little bit more jaded in terms of the politics and just, you know, teaching to test and just kind of how the like public education system wasn't really something I was aligning with personally. And so I started to really seek out more of this creative side. And I kind of, um, you know, was living in Western Mass at the time and thinking about, you know, what what does that actually look like? I did a little bit of photography for a short time. I worked at a letterpress company for three years that was um, based in Holyoke. And, and then after that, I was just like, okay, what's next? You know, and there was always this, well, you could always fall back to teaching. And I'm like, 
but I don't want to teach like that, that, that was the one thing I knew, but when the question was, well, then what do you want to do? I'm like, I don't know. I just, I want to do something creative. And so, um, I had at that point started to really get involved in cycling. I was mountain biking and my partner at the time and I were really engaged with our local bike shop and this crew of people that were, you know, our best friends. And you, you know, don't really have like, a choice when you no, live in Western Mass, no, uh, to, are, to be clear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah, so true. Yeah. The community of cyclists there is so amazing. And it was really kind of discovering actually some amazing women to ride with that kind of brought me in closer to the sport and also like owning it myself, you know, because my partner at the time, it was something he really loves. And I was kind of doing it to kind of like, you know, enjoy it with him. And then eventually though, it became something that felt like my own, um, which was really important to me. And I think pivotal to, to like kind of exploring this idea of working at the local shop. So they had already invited me at that point to start leading a women's group ride. They had 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 one, there was, you know, the Monday night road ride with the A group and the B group. And so they're like, Hey, we'd really love to do a women's ride. Would you want to lead it? And so I was like, sure. And then it kind of like one thing led to another. And it was like, Jen, do you just want to work at the shop? And I'm like, okay, let's do this. And I didn't exactly know what, you know, kind of what it was um, going to end up turning out to be like in the sense that I was like, okay, I'm open to this but I don't really know where the, what the future holds. Like, am I, am I going to work at a bike shop forever? No, I can't imagine that. So like, let's just see where this goes. So really I kind of went in with a focus of, I'm going to learn everything I possibly can. So, you know, from light maintenance work on bikes, you know, especially when checking them in to actually, um, starting to do the clothing buying. So I worked with the woman who had been doing it for years because it was also bike and ski. So, you know, going to shows and, you know, selecting apparel for, you know, winter apparel and for summer apparel, especially the cycling stuff. And then also collaborating with a very dear, dear friend um, on our, like the cycling club that was a part of the shop. And even from there, we even, you know, promoted our own cyclocross race and had a race team. And so I was really heavily involved in like pretty much anything I can get my hands on. Like, how can I learn as much as um, possible when I was there? And, you know, it was kind of thinking about, okay, what's next? How do I start discovering what else is out there? Like what's happening in the outdoor industry? Like, what websites are there to even find jobs? Like, what do I even do? You know? And I knew like the elementary ed thing didn't exactly play a role in how I could discover a new job in the outdoor industry. But I just knew that was starting to be like a, a deep passion of mine. And honestly, it was like, you know, one of those situations where it was like a friend of a friend, random connection, where all of a sudden I get this email one day, with a job listing for, for at the time it was live giant. And it was for a demo position for at the time it was like an event coordinator and like event host. And I couldn't believe it. I was like, I thought only my guy friends were getting those opportunities. Cause you know, there was friends that worked at the shop or bike mechanics that were going on to work as tech reps or demo drivers for bike companies. And I never saw any women doing those jobs. And so I couldn't believe it. And it was like, you get to travel and teach women about bikes and host these clinics. And I'm like, oh my God, that like, I must make this mine. <laughs> and so I applied and yeah, obviously 
it all worked out. Um, and uh, my boss, Jeanette Sherman, she was such an incredible mentor um, and just really helped to um, kind of bring me into this new world that I hadn't you know, really understood about like, what is it like to do marketing? You know, for me, the education thing came natural. Actually, my dad at the time, when I got the job, he's like, oh, you are teaching just your classroom looks different. Now it's operating out of a sprinter van, you know? So, <laughs> so it was kind of cool in that way that I was actually getting to be an educator in the sense of hosting by maintenance classes or teaching how to fix a flat or taking women out on a, you know, a group road ride or teaching mountain bike skills. Like I got my mountain bike certification, um, you know, for teaching, you know, basic skills. And so it, that part of it was so natural to me and like this desire to learn and also this desire to share what I was learning, um, just became natural. And honestly, when I think about like what I do every day, it's essentially that how do I learn about what's happening in the, you know, in the industry, in the cycling space, well, you know, what are consumers looking to do with the product? And then how do I educate them about our bikes and how this bike can help do the thing that they're looking to do or take them on this adventure? So it really kind of has come, you know, come together quite well and has suited my strengths. And, you know, I never wanted to be a salesperson in the sense that like, I'm actually not a big consumer. I'm always like, Oh, well, you don't need to buy that. But when I was a demo driver and people were coming, you know, to, you know, learn more about it or go take a bike out, it was like, just like this gift, like, oh my God, I'm about to send you off on this super fun experience. And I can't wait to hear what you think about it, you know, and what questions do you have for me? Like, how do I help you discover like what's going to work for you the best? So yeah, so it just came super natural. And I was in that role for about a year and a half and had so much freaking fun traveling. I had the East coast and Midwest to start and then just the East coast. So it gave me a chance to meet so many different people and ride a lot of amazing mountain bike trails. And then the opportunity came when Liv launched as a standalone brand in 2014 to move into an in-house role. So the global marketing team was growing. So my boss at the time moved into a global position and then it opened up the U S position. So I moved in December. Um, so tomorrow, gosh, it will be eight years that I've been in California um, to come out and work as the Live US Marketing Manager. So I did that for just about five years. And that was such a growing and learning time for me, like not having a marketing degree or a marketing background. It was just learning on the job, really, like working a lot of different facets of marketing from digital marketing to event marketing, um, you know, ambassadors and athlete programming, um, just even, you know, video shoots, action shoots, all that type of stuff was really just kind of on the job training and experience um, and just that willingness to kind of jump in and, and figure it out and make mistakes and try new things. And then from there um, in 2020 was when I had the chance to move to the global marketing team, which is where I sit today. And, um, you know, for me, bike like the bike component, the product component has always really piqued my uh, interests, especially like I love kind of the market research segment as I've shared and just also like getting more um, ingrained in like kind of the development process and working with our product teams to kind of see the bikes come to life. So yeah, it's been quite a journey and something that I reflect on often that I feel really grateful. Like 
I'm really, really grateful for this opportunity because I would have never imagined it. Like when I was, <laughs> you know, in college, I would have never imagined like if somebody were to tell me like, oh, this is where you're going to end up. Like what, you know? So mm-hmm. it's actually been one of the the greatest joys of my life and the people and the community that have come as a part of it is just, yeah, it, it means everything. It's, I love the concept of that, the idea that education and marketing actually are essentially the same thing. If you're doing marketing, like correct, not even correctly, but like very authentically, I like, I love the idea of sort of leading with this like education mentality. And I imagine coming from like the, you know, elementary school education background, the, the demo driving thing lends itself very naturally to that. Like, like your dad said, it's a very, it's just a different classroom, but you're still in person. Your, your students are still with you, like looking at bikes, right? Like like in front of you, you know, you're, you you have to like, tell them where the bathroom is and like, you know, hand hand out juice boxes. Yeah. Yeah, You know, Uh, but then when you get into the actual, you know, you're moved to California, you're in the, the marketing manager role. Like what did, what did that look like as far as like learning how to, I know you mentioned a lot of on the job stuff, but was there anything you were doing, I guess, to figure out the more technical nuances of marketing? Um, Or was it just really like, you're just, you're just asking a lot of questions. Exactly. And working with experts, right? I mean, we, you know, when I was in that role, we were working with the digital agency and PR team and, you know, folks that, you know, did, did this as, you know, as their focus, as their expertise. So it was really kind of asking them questions and, you know, setting up, you know, strategies, you know, around, you know, uh, content and even digital advertising to say like, okay, what really works? And then let's test it out, you know, okay, we're going to try this set of images or this set of images and then see what people respond to. And let's Mm -hmm. change copy. Let's see, you know, what really might help draw somebody to this particular article, you know, and, and really just like kind of testing it out and seeing, and then being willing to, you know, change it up and being open to the feedback that you were getting from those experts, or even, you know, most importantly from the community, how were people responding to it? And, you know, coming from the retail experience, I had been in a bike shop for two years. So I, I did to some degree, you know, really understand what it's like to be a person on the sales floor and working with people directly to say like, what are those common questions that they're asking? What type of features are really important to people? Um, and also how do, how do we really help educate the retailer? Like as that salesperson, like what do they need to know to help sell the product? Well, Mm -hmm. Um, and then also, you know, transitioning into the field, really understanding like kind of the dynamics of, you know, different interests and especially the U S market being such a large one, you have such a variety of needs and interests um, that can be quite regional. So just really being open to listening to the different perspectives. And I had that, you know, in the, in the marketing role that direct connect to our sales team. So, you know, there was a lot of great relationship building when I was in the field so that I would just be like, Hey, what do y'all think about this? Or, you know, what, what's really going to help, um, you know, in terms of ambassador programming and, and things like that, how do we really support these retailers to bring more women in shop? Well, geez, we need women in the field. Like we need those women to kind of be the champion in their local community to say like, Hey, you're welcome here. Like if women haven't felt welcomed into the bike shop, like we need women out there that might be kind of that gateway in because, they, they have that similar lived experience or they just, I don't know, it feels like a much more natural way of 
walking into a bike shop and feeling connected to, to the people there. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I think this also sort of helps answer the question of how to get your job, because I think people think that to be, you know, in marketing, you have to have a degree in marketing and that's where you start. Um, but to me, I think actually in the fitness industry, it really, I'm sure it applies to most industries, but I think the fitness industry in particular is a great one for this. It wasn't that you had the background in marketing. It's that you had the background in bikes and like the love of bikes. And I think that's going to help that, you know, like you can learn the marketing stuff, but I think it's a lot harder for a marketing person who doesn't really know a lot about bikes or, you know, maybe likes them, but like has had no, you know, retail experience, no experience working in any other part of the industry. I think it's a lot harder to market uh, when you haven't been in that industry, sort of even at like the, I don't even want to call it the the bottom level because that's not the right word, no, but, but at just, the, the retail level, at the right, coaching at the, level, like the ground level, like at the person the to person. Yeah. That, that like transaction happens that feels a little like clinical in a way, but yeah, just like where that engagement occurs where, you know, somebody walks through the door and says, I'm looking to buy a bike, you know, and that, yeah, that was a fundamental and benefit like thing that I consider as a benefit. I mean, does somebody have to have that experience? No, but I think that is kind of eye-opening in the sense that if you have more perspective on like the perspectives of your audience, I think that helps you to feel more connected to them. And even for me now, like I primarily sit behind a computer day in and day out, but it's when I get to get away from here, whether it's actually going on a shoot and maybe working with the riders who are riding the bike or going to an event, whether it's, you know, sea otter or to a race, um, or, you know, even to a demo event again, or a women's festival, like going to Rome fest, you know, like where you're amongst people again. And again, learning those perspectives, what's actually happening out there? What are people's needs? What are their complaints? What are the barriers? Like if you can be more in touch with that level um, and that perspective, then I think it's going to enrich what you do. And, you know, cycling, like we all know, like a lot of people know, like, yeah, you don't get paid a lot to work in this industry, but you have a lot of fun, you know, um, and you get to work with bikes and you get to work with a lot of passionate people. Like a lot of people who are in this industry are doing it because they love to ride. And so I think there's that as well, where, you know, you may get somebody who's classically trained in marketing and they probably kick ass, but at the same time, there is something to just loving the thing and wanting to do the thing, you know? Um, mm -hmm. yeah, I just love being around bikes and it's super fun. <laughs> yeah. I would argue there's no degree in marketing that could make you better at bikes. If you don't love bikes, then someone who loves bikes and is like willing to learn could be. Yeah. So yeah. Putting that out there. <laughs> um, okay. You mentioned being glued to the desk here. Uh, so what does a day in the life look like? And I mean, I also want to hear like training and like lifestyle stuff too. Like, how are you staying like reasonably healthy and like mentally, you know, happy, et cetera. Um, yeah. While that's a also to craft. Yeah. yeah. While also getting work done. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, pretty much like I'd say everyone else who may find themselves, you know, working this kind of, let's call it a desk job. Right. I mean, my day contains meetings, you know, with colleagues and meeting with partners and, you know, meeting with, um, you know, our sales companies, you know, it's, it's, it's a variety of things, um, but also just kind of like getting shit done. Right. Um, so there's a lot of deadlines and things that we're looking forward to. So it's accomplishing, you know, 
um, the, the things that need to get done, right? Um, so it's actually quite varied. And I would say um, the multitasking element, I mean, I feel like I'm juggling, you know, a few different projects at one time. It's never like, ooh, neat and tidy. I get to do this one thing and focus on it. It's like, no, there's oftentimes like a variety of things in progress. So a lot of it is just kind of managing the flow of, you know, priorities, you know, like, okay, what's the priority for today? Um, let's tackle that and then continue to get things, you know, keep things in motion and keep things moving and following up and that type of stuff. Um, in terms of keeping my sanity, you know, I'd say that's always been a, like to be pretty transparent. That's always been like a bit of a challenge for me. Um, you know, I think I'm fortunate that, um, I work with some really amazing people that it honestly has become this, how do I say, um, kind of total human experience where, we really do care about doing great work, but we also really care about each other. So like even today we had um, our weekly or like we have two um, huddles that we call them Mondays and Wednesdays. And this morning, you know, we start with like, let's do a check-in. Like how is everyone feeling? Like whether it's a word or two words, or you can be this and that, you know, at the same time, but it's recognizing like we are humans coming to the work every day and it can be hard. It can be, um, you know, tough to, to manage the personal stuff and the work stuff. So like, let's just acknowledge it and not try to just keep them separate because this is business. So there is this way about the work we do where people are really interested in who you are. And then you kind of just feel like, wow, I'm, I'm here to be a part of this um, group of women that really do care about doing good work, but also making sure like we're, doing good by ourselves as humans. So I feel like I've had that, I have that baked into my work, which is really cool. And also the nudge to be like, go out for a walk, take your dog out. You know, like I have that luxury of living in California in central California, where pretty much every day you can get out on your bike or go for a walk or whatever. And the weather's pretty darn good. So, um, yeah, so I've got that, that, that luxury at hand and, and people to motivate, you know, to go for a ride or for a hike or whatever. So that's, pretty essential breathing in the fresh air, getting the sun on my face. Like it's often that I'm stepping outside the door just to, to kind of take that in and to be present for a minute or two or take a deep breath and yeah, eat good food. And yeah, it's just like that, that whole approach of making sure I get good sleep and, um, yeah, do the things that need to be done. I love it. I love it. Okay. How do you, how do you keep track of all of the, the projects? Like are you using apps, spreadsheets, docs? How does this all stay? Um, yeah, <laughs> what I'm asking everyone, cause I'm trying to crack the secret code. Oh, good luck. Yeah. Let me know when you find that one out. Um, <laughs> I think it's so individual, you know, um, I think we all have like probably our own ways of keeping our chaos in order. But I think for me, um, you know, my inbox is something that helps me like visually see some of like the necessary priorities in the way that I organize it. But also um, I use, yeah, Google Docs quite a bit in terms of, you know, collaboration with team members and keeping documents that are tracking, you know, project elements. We're actually um, moving over to monday.com. This is not an ad, <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, something that we haven't utilized as a team yet. So we're going to be exploring that for project management. So I'm really excited about the, the opportunity there. 
I got to tell you, I've now been on like three different teams that have attempted to move on to Monday.com. So I'm going to be real excited to hear how it goes. Yeah. I think it's it's one of those super powerful, amazing systems. Uh, If they want to sponsor us, please get in touch. It takes full full commitment from everyone using it. Yeah. Any tool. That's the thing. It's like, whether it's a Google spreadsheet or, you know, some sort of email, like, you know, whatever it is. Is. like it's yeah. really only as good as everyone who's saying like we're in it together we're going to use it and you know when um, we kind of transitioned during you know the past couple of years to more you know uh zoom meetings and things like that and remote working we've used slack as well which has been an awesome way to kind of eliminate a lot of noise in the inbox and mm-hmm. really keep you know, these channels established by projects. So that's also a real, I mean, I love Slack for that, that it helps to just eliminate kind of those unnecessary emails. And then you can kind of really compartmentalize conversations by projects and, you know, feel like there's a great reference for, you know, if you missed a couple of days, you were out on a shoot or whatever it was, you can kind of tune back in and get caught up pretty quickly about, you know, pro- progress on projects and things like that. So mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Then the more important question, what bikes are you riding these days? Um, <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'm lucky enough to kind of have a bit of a fleet at home. So um, yeah, Langma is definitely my go-to road bike. Um, the Langma Advanced SL. Yeah. It's pretty darn good. Um, and then um, actually I just uh, brought in an e-bike into the fleet for just cruising around town, which is so much fun. It's the Thrive E plus. Um, so a little bit more like commuter esque in the sunset has like a little front light and a rear light and fenders and a rack. So yeah, it makes for um, yeah, running errands and stuff. And I live on a very steep hill. Um, it's mm-hmm. kind of ridiculous. Anyone who knows me who is finished a ride with me at my house knows this hill. So that's, that's been a joy, like especially running down to the farmer's market and grabbing some stuff and then just, yeah, having the E assist on the way up. Um, and then in the off-road side, um, the peak is just so awesome for the trails around here, a little bit more like cross country style, but you know, when I'm traveling the intrigue two nine, yeah, I mean, I'm a product marketer. I'm lucky. I will admit I've, you know, I I do get that luxury of having the bikes in front of me, but it's also a great way to know, you know, exactly how they feel and how to convey that experience. So yeah, it's a really fun um, part of my job, which sometimes it feels like I feel guilty, you know, like, wait, I'm having fun, but this is work like, (laughs) but yeah, this, this makes sense. Yes. Yeah. It's a good thing. That's good. Cause I was going to ask actually, my next question was going to be about setting boundaries between life and work when, yeah, I mean, your hobby is your work is your life. Like at literally, as you just kind of alluded to anytime you're riding to the farmer's market, you're still kind of, you got maybe that like battery life thought in your head or like, hmm, how's the throttle feel? How's hmm, this? Maybe I should tell the product people about like, <laughs> how do you, how do you set like work gen from regular gen or are they like, or do you try to keep those separate? That's, that's a really good one. Um, that's a really tough, tough one because I think it has naturally become so much a part of me in the sense that like the, you know, from even starting off as a writer, right? Like this progression of me getting into this career and this job and like this, you know, company community, it it really has been really relational and passion driven. So 
they, it is a blurred line. I, you know, I, I don't know how to exactly separate them and it will be 10 years in April that I've been a part of this company. So, it, you know, in effect, it's become a part of just who I am. You know, I, I don't, my name's not Liz or live beyond, you know, but, uh, <laughs> Jen definitely has, um, a big heart, you know, a big place in my heart for, for this brand and for, you know, the, the women that are a part of it. I mean, even still, like if I go to an event, you know, like I went to the Bentonville, um, women's summit and there were some of like the women who used to be ambassadors for our brand. And it's like, Oh my God, like so cool to like reunite with these people that were, you know, a part of this earlier part of my career and just to see where they are now. And like those relationships are super meaningful to me, even like the, yeah, everybody I meet, it's like, I can't separate that because it's such a part of who I am. Like I really genuinely love like what I get to do and what this brand stands for and like where we've gone, like to be here at this point where we're seeing greater equity in the sport for women. I'm like, I can't believe it. Like I got to go to the tour de France this summer and I was just like, pinch me. It like kind of makes me a little emotional because it's like, I, I can't believe I've gotten to be a part of, you know, this progression in the sport for women and that there's so many amazing women out there and, and men as well, all people like are cheering this on to see, see this happen. And this, and so for me, it's like, it's nearly impossible to separate the two. Um, but I think, you know, it's, um, also important to kind of stay grounded in what's meaningful to you. So I, I wouldn't say it's, it's bad or good, you know, it should just be like, how do you kind of, do right by yourself and honor what feels right to you and kind of put in check the things where like, yeah, you might feel overburdened by work or your priorities are, you know, askew because you're not spending as much time with family or, or taking those times outside of work. So I think that's always a constant effort. Cause it's like, as much as I love it, I'm like, all right, <laughs> time to close the computer, step away, step away. It will, it will be there tomorrow. Like, you know, so. Yep. Yep. Well, especially in a position like yours where you could be tweaking copy all day, every day, like just like the tweak to like the slug on an article could make a difference. So now I need to like spend, you know, hours thinking about like the, the level of detail you could, you could sink to, I'm going to say. Well, and you want like, you know, whether it's, yeah, you're writing an article or like you're putting out this thing that kind of feels like, you know, a like this really near and dear thing to you, right? Like you've been spending months with it and now you want to bring it out to the world and you, you want to do right by the people that receive it. Like, is this exactly how it should be? Like, should I tweak it a little bit? Like, is this the best idea? Like, how do we do, you know, and at the end of the day, like you just, you know, let it, let it go, let it go into the world. (laughs) Gotta get it out there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I could talk to you about this all day, every day, I think, but uh, we should wrap up here. Where can people find you? Where can they follow along with everything you and Liv are doing? Give us all the places. Yeah. Well, um, obviously I think as we identified earlier today, our online presence with, through social media is a really great place to connect with our brand. So 
Our global handle is Live Cycling. If you want to follow us on Instagram and Facebook and Twitter. Um, and then personally, um, I'm out there in the world. Follow me on LinkedIn. Actually, I would love for you to do that. Like connect with me. Tell me about what you're up to. I think I've actually met some really cool people and actually in terms of the work front, helped to make some great connections with bringing maybe new people into our company um, through just people being bold enough to say, hey, I'm a writer and this is what I do. Could you use the service? Or I'm a videographer trying to, you know, get into the industry. You know, do you have any suggestions? Like, I love that part. I'd be happy to listen and learn and also help anyone out um, discover, you know, opportunities to get into this industry. So yeah, follow me on LinkedIn, connect with me. You know, I just said to someone yesterday when we were doing an interview, I was like, LinkedIn is like the new hip place again. Yeah, really. Like it's come I back. I, and like, I feel like it's I'm good. on there. I put the app back on my phone. I was like, <laughs> I, I, I can't even believe I'm doing this. I know there's so much happening there. Like it's kind of overwhelming the amount of notifications. Like if it's been a minute that I've like jumped back in, I'm like, whoa, but yeah, don't hesitate to, to hit me up there. It'd be great to learn. Oh my gosh. Amazing. Jen, thank you so much. This was so much fun. Yeah. Thanks, Molly. It's good to see you and connect. Thanks for the questions and time to chat. All right. Hopefully you found that episode just as informative as I did. I think what I really love is this idea that we aren't stuck in any one career, right? Jen was a teacher. She was in the education side of things before moving over to live. And her career path was not straightforward, but at the same time, you know, it makes perfect sense for her. So I think just really remembering that where you are isn't where you have to be, I think is just such a valuable lesson for all of us to remember, especially right now where it's so easy to feel very stuck, very stagnant, very much like, oh my gosh, I can't make this change. I just remember that it is possible. And, you know, leaning into that passion, it's not like you have to make this career change where, oh my gosh, now I'm quitting my job and going for this position. But you can, you know, whether it's getting a, a side job, a weekend job at the Pilates studio or at the bike shop or any of those things, just to get your foot in the door, I think is a really great small step towards finding that dream career if you do want to move out of the current uh, position that you're in. So I think, again, just so inspirational. And hopefully you learned a lot in terms of either the job that you want to get or just thinking about marketing. And so next month, before we, before I let you go, I just wanted to talk about the fact that next month we're talking all about financial health. So financial health February, if you will, is coming. And if you have any questions, definitely hit me up over at business.of.fitness on Instagram. Let me know what your questions are or find me over on Instagram at Molly J. Herford. I am really excited to be talking about kind of the most terrifying topic that all of us small business people face. And I think it's going to be a really enlightening month. We have a lot of very smart women on talking about with, you know, how to negotiate for what you're worth, how to deal with your taxes, uh, what kind of accounts you need, what you need to be thinking about legally. Uh, I think it's just going to be a really informative month. So definitely make sure you are following along, subscribing. If you love this, please rate and review. It's super, super helpful. And we will see you for Financial Health February. Have a great weekend.